Welcome to the GH Podcast. This is Saloni Rao, Website and Publications Associate at Gateway House. The Cold War saw the advent of the space race and exploration. The global space launch sector has recently seen another burst of activity, with countries around the world investing in space programs and participating in a second space race. A private space industry has also developed, with companies like SpaceX, Rocket Lab and OneSpace leading the way. The Indian administration also enacted much-needed space reforms in 2020, paving the way for a private space industry in the country. Currently, we stand in an era of digital revolution, alongside an unprecedented COVID-19 pandemic. Amidst this, India has fallen into a pandemic-excused slumber in terms of space launch activities, while the rest of the world has been in a space overdrive. I'd like to welcome Dr. Chaitanya Giri, Fellow for Space and Ocean Studies at Gateway House, to tell us more about these developments. Hi Chaitanya, thank you for joining us today. Many countries carried out their first space launches, specifically last year amid the COVID-19 pandemic. What does this mean for the space launch sector? Thank you, thank you Saloni. This is a very interesting question. My answer to this would be that COVID-19 pandemic or no pandemic, the space sector is going through a bullish revolution and uh, the countries that have aggressively pursued space reforms and have aggressively commercialized their space sectors have companies right now waiting for businesses and these companies are entering into the space launch sector, the satellite and spacecraft manufacturing sector, the downstream services sector and they want to have a return on their investments and their governments have given them conducive environments to grow and uh, irrespective of the pandemic these uh, companies are now uh, they're compelled to get back the returns on their investment and this is what is happening therefore we've seen that in the united states or europe or russia or china a lot of private sector companies have entered the space launch sectors and they are aggressively launching satellites and spacecraft for their customers And uh, this is a sign of times to come, where with greater participation of the private sector, the space industry or the space economy uh, as a whole will only grow hereafter at a blinding pace that has been never seen before. Okay, that's interesting. So how is the privatization of space exploration beneficial? I mean, doesn't it invite more competition, risks, threats? For now, it is more of competition than risk and threat. So with privatization of space exploration, countries are able to tap into talents that they haven't been able to tap into through their limited space agencies. But uh, with private companies coming up, the ability to recruit human resource magnifies tremendously. And with participation of this human resource, the intensity of activities, uh, you know, it, it has a compounding effect. So with that regards, countries that are able to utilize their private sector efficiently will be able to deliver the most and will have greater say or greater stakes in the global space economy. Now, that comes to competition. With, in terms of risk and threats, I, I don't think there are immediate risk and threats because they, they will arise only after the activities are carried out and we will encounter risk and threats in, accordingly as time passes. But what we can anticipate is there will be some consternation uh, regarding creation of debris 
there will be consternation regarding uh, the claiming claiming resources as well as claiming real estate on moon and asteroids and these are the risks that will need to be alleviated through multilateral fora and i'm sure various multilateral fora especially the g20 the g7 the united nations office of outer space affairs will take care of uh, all these issues arising so given this competition that you've discussed between these players in the space sector you've also previously discussed the term astropolitics what does this mean in reference to the second space race and who are the key players in all of this like i said astropolitics is an extension of geopolitics in in the outer space and only those countries that are highly space capable they have capable space technologies and they can exert their activities there in a vigorous way can engage in astropolitics so uh, we 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 can include europe we can include japan china united states india to be key entities carrying out astropolitics but when i say when i men- use this word and with reference to the second space race what i am saying is that apart from these crucial countries that have had their space programs for 50 60 years there are new entrants which have only recently established their space agencies and they have immediately displayed their space capabilities so these are united arab emirates new zealand australia south korea then you have turkey luxembourg these are all countries that have established their space agencies only recently they they have identified their senior partners most of them are aligning with the uh, united states there are some that are wanting to align with uh, china and russia and this is how cold war factions are again emerging and this is leading to the second space race so when we talk about first space race it was very clear that the race was between united states and soviet union but in today's multipolar global geopolitics you have three or four experienced highly capable space capable countries that are leading the pack and each of them have at least 5 to 10 countries that are their junior partners and they are aligning based on common political ideologies they are aligning themselves based on common economic and geoeconomic goals and they are aligning based on the fact that they will together reap the revenue that will be generated from space exploration so that's a very broad view of astropolitics and the second space race with regard to astropolitical super blocks you mentioned the us you mentioned china what are we looking forward to or expecting in the next 5 or 10 years in terms of space race and exploration the immediate target in terms of space exploration is greater activities in the space between earth and the moon as well as earth and the near earth asteroids and uh, Uh, countries uh, will want to invest uh, heavily in developing infrastructure connectivity infrastructure between these two celestial bodies now if you look at the moon or the near earth asteroids these are bodies that are nearest to the earth and with greater participation of private sector countries now have the teeth to achieve what their space agencies couldn't have achieved in the first space age with uh, with greater human resource with greater pooling of resources between the, the junior and senior partners in the astropolitical blocks in the next 5 10 years i anticipate that uh, there will be the first manned or crewed missions uh, to the moon they, they will come from united states 
china and russia will progress on that front and by the decade of 2030s you will see a long duration human presence on the moon as well as greater robotic activity uh, on the moon as well as an asteroids we have all seen that in the past couple of months the chinese have established their space station in the low earth orbit and uh, that space station will also go on to host a lot of countries that would otherwise wouldn't have gone to the international space station so you will find countries like pakistan or countries that are part of the bri the belt and road initiative they will go and join the chinese space station or at least participate in a way that will give them access to such a cutting edge infrastructure we will see all that coming up and th- this will give rise to a new astropolitical game in the world you mentioned the chinese crewed space station how do you see its rise in reference to china's agreement with russia and in context of the us led artemis agreement could you tell us a little bit more about the artemis agreement as well so since the mid 1990s especially after the fall of the soviet union modern russia which grew after 1991 got into an agreement with the western bloc where they could share their resources for building what is today known as the international space station the international space station had a very good run and it continues to have a very good run it continues to be one of the best successes of the softening or thawing of relations between uh, europe and russia as well as united states and that has continued or endured for good two decades but in the past few years we have all noticed that russia wants to get out of the international space station and build its own space station in the lower orbit but this has not been possible because of slightly weak russian economy and russia has been looking for since then looking for partners with whom they can build a, a new space station jointly now they were looking for like minded partners and in that pursuit they continue to engage with countries like france and india on human space flight program if you notice india's astronauts who are also known as vyomanauts or gaganauts some call them that way were trained over the period of last year in russia for the early phases of uh, india's human space flight program so that is happening but eventually they wanted a partner who is strong enough economically and technologically and they found that in china so since 2002 2003 china has been working intensively on their human space flight program they built their space station within 20 years it's not as big as the international space station in terms of size and payload mass but it is good enough to accommodate a lot of activities and since it is newer than the international space station it is kind of state of the art in comparison because of its newness now the two are getting together china and russia they will use this particular chinese space station russians will easily provide their soyuz human rated launch vehicles for carrying astronauts or taikonauts or cosmonauts to the space station and eventually they will together join hands to build similar capabilities not just in the earth's orbit but also in the lunar orbit and this is where the china russia alliance is coming up and it is strengthening because the united states is creating its own astropolitical block with the artemis program and uh, including all those countries i have mentioned earlier we have now two clear teams we we, we don't know whether they will 
compete intensively or they will compete with certain scope for cooperation and now that is yet to be seen but one should expect that they will all vie for greater economic stakes uh, through the economic activities that will come up on the surface of the moon you already mentioned india's involvement in the plans by these different super blocks or these astro political blocks hmm. is there any reason for india to up its game for outer space i think we should like for instance if you if you consider on the par pedestal india comes on the second par pedestal so if you ask me i will include russia europe collectively as european space agency americans as nasa and uh, russia and china on uh, the first pedestal the second pedestal will inclu- in- involve countries in- individually like france germany japan india canada uh, uh, they are second tier countries here in terms of space capabilities and then you have tier 3 countries like i said which have just come up in the f- past 5 10 years uh, that includes luxembourg uae australia new zealand and what not now if we want to rise from here if we want to enhance our capabilities from here we will have to acclimatize to the agility with which the new space agencies have come up they haven't taken decades to go to mars like for instance the uae within 5 years of establishing their space agencies have reached mars and they are doing good science on mars unlike india which took almost 50 years from the establishment of the space agency to the the first missions to mars so you we will have to learn from the newer agencies as well as we will have to learn from the big astropolitical moves that the bigger players the tier 1 players are making and that is the reason why india should not shy away from getting into human space flight and investing ambitiously the space reforms have come up really well they were well timed they were much needed but hereafter you the country needs to involve the private sector and by private sector i don't only mean startups they will have to involve the bigger private companies in india the conglomerates as well as the india needs to set up new private not for profit institutions so that space policy space law space strategy and all these aspects relating to the space economy that we have been speaking about in this podcast are well monitored analyzed and they help in faster decision making we need to up our game by greater involvement of private entities they may be for profit or not for profit thank you so much chatanya hopefully india does manage to up its game in the next few years for more information about gateway house to read our articles and listen to more gh podcasts please log on to www.gatewayhouse.in